listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. It's a good day, man. If you saw it in the comments, or not in the comments, but in the... um in the uh, description of the broadcast, today, the necessary power of anger. The necessary power of anger. And brought to you by Publix Purified Water. Mm. Loenda's on the YouTube, the YouTube, driving to take the folks on a road trip. Love you. Um... Thank you very much, Debbie, for sowing a seed. Appreciate it. Cash app. Um, What we're going to do is I'm going to show you this because you hear so many people, so many people talking about, well, you should never get, don't get angry. Don't get angry. You should never get angry. You know, don't be angry. And um, they will look and take a scripture out of the, uh, the Bible out of context and try to encourage you to not be angry. Um, and I'm going to show you that the opposite is true from the Bible. Octavius, the mustache was raptured, even though it is mustache May. And the pictures are going to be coming uh, at the end of the month. June 1st, we're going to look at the pictures. Alyssa is in Cannonsburg, PA. Johnny's in the house. Hey. Oh, my goodness, Johnny. Johnny said, Teddy wears Jinko Jean- jeans and Crocs. I'm going to show you something, Johnny. How did you even know? Johnny just got a word of knowledge on the broadcast in the comments section. I don't have Gene Co. jeans. I can tell you that. But I do have the Crocs because if you ain't crocking, you ain't rocking. That's what I that's I live by that. Um, wow, Johnny, you're in the spirit. But people will tell you, don't get mad. You know, they'll tell you, oh, just just chill out, calm down, don't be mad, don't get mad. And uh, I have to say that there are some things in life that are worth getting mad over. There are some things in life that are worth being mad about. Um, I'm sure everybody uh, by now has seen the news, um, you know, from the, the stuff that went down in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, there are things that are worth being grieved about things that are worth being mad about, angry about, and, um, and you need to speak up and you need to take action. It's not enough to just speak up. It's also enough. Uh, it's, it it needs to be enough to take the action. And I think my uncle tweeted something yesterday. that's very true is that a, a lot of Americans have lost their strength, their boldness, their fervor. And they're not stepping up. It's like, you know, I totally agree. You know, if you didn't see what the, uh, you know, the police officer that was kneeling on the neck of that man yesterday, and he kept telling him, I can't breathe. I'm hurting. Please, please go get off my neck. I'm hurting. I can't breathe. Ended up dying three hours later in the hospital. Um, you know, my uncle tweeted this, you know, why was everybody taking videos of that? Why was nobody taking action to get, Get that. I mean, even when the paramedics came to check the guy, the cop never got off of his neck with the knee. It's like, you know, the paramedics are there to take care of it. He's not even resisting arrest. So 
um, you know, why at that point did nobody, why is everybody like this? You know, why is everybody like this? Bro, that's not right. That's not right, bro. Why is nobody going over and actually helping the guy? You know, I was, let me just, let me say something. I was in a, uh, I was called in for jury duty. And I don't mind saying this publicly. I was called in for jury duty here in, uh, in Florida. And I went in, this was just a couple of months ago, really, a few months ago. I, uh, I went in for my jury duty. And of course, we're, we're in a massive county. And so the, the jury pool is huge. Like it's very huge. It looks like an auditorium of a high school. Uh, and there's just tons of people sitting there waiting to be called uh, up, up to jury duty. And um, so I get called in and it's not like it is in other states where if you get called up and the judge dismisses you, you go home in this county because there's so many cases. If you get called up and the judge dismisses you, you go back into the jury pool again. And um, so... I got called up and I ended up sitting in on two cases. The first one was just kind of a technical case. The second one was a criminal case. And um, obviously it had to do with somebody who was being prosecuted because they, uh, they, they um, I don't know if they struck a police officer or if they, they just hindered the police officer's work and arrest. Basically, somebody was arresting someone's boyfriend and the girl got crazy and started smacking, smacking the police officer. But they started to ask the jury, the potential jury members, um, let me hear your opinion. And this is what they asked us. Uh, They said, do you think it's ever okay to put your hands on a police officer? That was the question. Now, that's the straight, flat question. Do you think that it's ever okay to put your hands on a police officer? And they picked me out to answer that question. And my answer was, Yes, there are times that it's okay to put your hands on a police officer. And they said, well, what do you mean by that? I said, if I ever saw a police officer doing something corrupt, doing something illegal, or if I felt that his actions were threatening the life of me or my family members, then yes, of course, I'm going to do something to resist that from happening. If he's doing something illegal, if he's doing something corrupt, if he's doing something that threatens the life, and I don't mean because I'm a resisting arrest. I mean, like, like, like what we saw yesterday, you know, where the guy is, the, the man is on his stomach on the ground with his hands cuffed behind his back. He's not resisting arrest. And the officer uh, is literally driving his knee into the back of the man's head and neck and won't get off of him. And people all around can see it's not right and uh, are freaking out about it. Of course, nobody helped the guy and he died three hours later in the hospital. But I told them, I told them in the, in the courtroom, I said, it's absolutely, there are times when it's, I feel it's warranted. Of course, they dismissed me from that jury, from that jury pool, but because that's what the case was about. But I, I said, of course I believe it because I refute just because, you know, even though you put on a uniform and a badge and by the way. I ext- I'm extremely appreciative and thankful for our police officers, all those that serve, those that are in authority. I thank God for them. I pray for them. No question about that. I seek to follow the law, you know, in every way. But just because somebody puts on a uniform and a badge does not mean that they're a perfect person or make perfect choices. And there are corruptions in every aspect of life. There's preachers that are corrupt. Forget just, you know, for, forget just, um, 
you know, police officers and government officials. There's preachers. There are pastors that are corrupt and doing corrupt things. So there, just because you put on a uniform and a badge doesn't mean that you're a perfect person or that you make perfect choices. We get that. But there are also some people that purposely uh, and carelessly make wrong and harmful choices. And so, look, Karen said, I, I agree with you, and my father's a police officer. And uh, Delame said, I, I live in Minnesota, and I've been so grieved. And of course, of course it's true. There are times that you have to stand up for what's right, and there are people that do wicked things. You know, if you think that there are no police officers that are racist, then you've, you've lost your mind. Like, literally, if you think that there's no police officers that that hate people because they're white or black or hate people because they're Mexican or hate people because they're, you know, foreign nationality, you've lost your mind. We live in an imperfect world where people are imperfect and make imperfect choices. And the key is, are people big enough to stand up? Now, now of course, I know there's consequences. There's always going to be consequences. You know, if, the, if anybody was to do something in that situation, of course, uh, that the argument would be you were hindering a law enforcement official from doing his job. You were, uh, you know, basically, you know, they could charge you with whatever they want. And you, yes, you'd have to stand before an officer uh, for your actions, but then you'd have to make up in your mind. Are my actions worth uh, taking to save a life and then have to suffer the consequences if I do have to suffer them later? Do, am I willing to uh, be fined? Am I willing to be prosecuted? But however, the guy's not going to die in the hospital three hours later. So there are, and remember this, there are, there are times in life where you have to get angry. You have to get angry enough. It's not a sin to be angry. I just want you to know that, those of you that are watching. And take a minute to share it because this needs to be heard. It's not a sin to be angry. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter four, I believe it's verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Let me pull that up for you and I'll, re I'll read you the scripture. Ephesians 4, 26. Be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger. So understand this. You can be angry about something and not be sinning. You can take actions even in your anger that aren't sinful actions. No question about it. And I think, this is my personal opinion, that Americans and others in, in the Western world have been lulled to sleep. And they're zombies, many of them, zombies walking around just taking life as it comes and do, do whatever they feel. You know, well, you know, that's, that's how the world goes. You know, these things happen. And Pastor Bill Motley in the comments is exactly right. Real change requires anger. Real change requires anger. It either takes, see, because remember this, when you have real love, there are situations that will provoke real anger. Remember this, and I want you to put it in the comments. If you have real love, there will be situations that provoke real anger. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, you guys know as well as I do that when you were in school, high school, whatever, I've used this analogy before, if anybody wanted to start a fight quickly, what's the first thing you do? You start talking about somebody's mom. If you want to start, start a fight, if you want to start somebody getting riled up, you just start talking about somebody's mom and that just sets it off. Why? I love my mom. You don't talk about my mom. 
You don't say stuff about my mom. You, you know, and so you understand that if you have real love, there are going to be situations that provoke real anger. You can't, uh, you know, if people don't get angry about the things they do love, I question whether they really love them or not. If people could just slander my family, give me my wife. You know, if somebody just is openly slandering my wife in front of my face, saying things about her, you know, if somebody, I mean, can you imagine men that are watching me right now, men that are watching me, can you imagine if somebody stood in front of you and your wife and called your wife a whore in front of your face, Mike Lavallee, can you imagine Josiah Griever? Can you imagine if somebody stood in front of you with your wife standing there, you stand there and, and sat there and called your wife a whore and kept referring to your wife as a whore? Oh yeah. You're not going to get mad. You're not going to be upset about that. If people didn't get upset about that, I would wonder how much they really loved their wife. You know, I would truly wonder that. Does this guy even care about his wife? This dude's standing here calling his wife a whore in front of his face, and he's just standing there with a smile on his face. If it doesn't cause you anger, then I wonder about your love. I mean, think about that. You know, that's, that's way beyond, you know, it's like Nick said, if somebody ever called my future wife a whore in front of me, they wouldn't have a face. <laughs> People are going to get angry. Of course they're going to be angry. And if you have real love, there's times there'll be real anger. Let me give you, let me give you, um, let me give you an example. I'll give you one from the, the, uh, Bible. When David, King David walked out on the battlefield. If you guys have never seen this before, I want you to see it. What was Goliath doing? Goliath was blaspheming the name of the most high God, Jehovah. That's what he was doing. He was mocking the Israelites and their God, blaspheming the name of Jehovah. If you've never seen this before, God never, God never, ever told David to fight Goliath. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but God never spoke to David. He never led David. He never commanded David to fight Goliath. So what happened in that situation? David shows up on the battlefield and all he hears and all he can hear is this giant blaspheming the name of the God he loves so much, so much. So much so that David has been out in the wilderness writing psalms and songs of praise unto his God. And God himself is the one who said, I have found a man after my own heart. God described David as a man after his own heart. And, and so that shows you how tight they were. God was so tight with David and David so tight with God that God was saying, that's my man. And David knew it too. And David was so involved in praise and worship. David was so involved in his love for God that when he heard a giant, an uncircumcised Philistine, you know, uncircumcised, you know, basically that him, him, basically referring to him as a pagan because only the Israelites were, were circumcised. Circumcision was part of the religion. 
So what I'm talking, when he's talking to him, what's he saying? He's saying, you're just a pagan. You don't even know what you're talking about. And, and then he starts talking to him. I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air. I mean, he starts mouthing off. And the thing that caused David to get angry enough to go to battle with no armor on, no armor on, no sword in his belt. All he had was a sling and some stones. He didn't carry a shield out, didn't carry a helmet, no breastplate, no boots. He just runs out onto the battlefield after people tried to stop him. That shows you how angry he was because people, the king tried to stop him. The king tried to stop him. You can't do that. He's a, he's seasoned in battle. He's a seasoned warrior. Look at you. You're just a little, he said, you don't know who you're talking to. I've had bears come into the sheepfold, killed them. I've had lions come into the sheepfold, killed them. And now I'm sure that the Lord will deliver this punk into my hands today. I'm paraphrasing. And then runs out onto the battlefield with no armor and no sword in his belt. How can you say to the giant, today I will cut off your head? How do you say that with no sword in your belt? He was ready to fight. He loved his God so much that when he heard an uncircumcised giant slinging insults and blasphemies at his God, it drove him to the place, I'm going to take you down and take you out and to win a victory for his whole nation. And without any command from God, without any instruction from the Lord, he just ran out and handled business with a righteous indignation. Like people say, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say David was mad. Do you honestly think David was out on the battlefield saying the things he said to, to the giant with like a nice attitude? Is that what you think? You think David ran out there, hey man, great to see you today, Goliath. I just want to give you a heads up. Uh, I'm going to be feeding your flesh to the birds of the air. And this day I will cut off your head. It's like, no, he wasn't out there trying to get a new pal. David was ticked off. David was really angry and he was ready to kill. He was ready to smack that giant around, then take his own sword. I love this. He pulled Goliath's sword out of his sheath and cut his head off with his own sword. That's double, that's double disrespect. I'm not just going to cut your head off. I'm going to cut your head off with your own sword. How about that? And so he was ticked off and David operated in victory, even though, even though he was angry. I don't know that blows people away. It's called righteous indignation. It's called righteous anger. And I want to show you in the Bible today that there's a difference between the anger of your flesh, the anger of your flesh, and the anger of the spirit. Now, the, the, I gave you a, um, obviously I gave you a, uh, an example moments ago about somebody calling your wife a whore. That's the anger of the flesh, obviously. You, you, can't, you can't smack around every person that's ever insulted you. <laughs> You know, and somebody asked on YouTube, when, when does turning the other cheek come into play? Obviously, that there are times you have to walk in forgiveness, even when you can't walk, you know, your flesh doesn't want to walk in forgiveness. Got to walk in love, even when your flesh doesn't feel like walking in love. So I'm not talking about the anger of the flesh today. So I don't want you to think that I am. I'm talking about the anger of the spirit. You can be angry and not sin. 
You can be angry and not sin. And so, you know, if I took out everybody that's ever insulted my wife or me or, you know, whatever, my family, I'd be in jail today. (laughs) I'd be doing this in jail like Paul. (laughs) You can't smack everybody you feel like smacking. But you have to understand there's a massive difference between the anger of the flesh and the anger of the spirit. And if you're walking in righteous indignation, the anger of the spirit, you can be angry about the right kinds of things and not sin. And that needs to be said in this generation because people have gone to sleep. They've gone to sleep. And I'm going to prove it to you because I'll show you that even Jesus got angry. People say, we shouldn't be angry. Jesus got angry. Jesus got angry multiple times. Well, we shouldn't be angry. We should be like our master Jesus. Like Jesus walked around the earth like a little pushover. They got these pictures of Jesus in churches painted with a little halo over his head with his hands folded looking up at the air like a little fairy. Jesus wasn't a fairy. Jesus wasn't a pushover. Jesus wasn't effeminate. Jesus wasn't walking around talking with a lisp. Get thee behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, Peter. No, Jesus was not a fairy. He was a man's man. Jesus was not a pushover. Jesus was not effeminate. He was a man's man. He worked with his hands. He was a carpenter. He did construction. He was a man's man. Let me tell you something. There ain't no little effeminate man running into a place crowded with men and flipping their tables over and beating them out with a whip. I can just tell you that right now. Jesus was a man's man, full of authority, full of power, full of strength. Amen. And Jesus himself got angry. Let me take you there first. Gospel of John chapter two. First thing you can see, Jesus was angry because they were defiling his father's house. Defiling his father's house. I want you to see this. John chapter two. Uh, And let's read verses 13 through 16, through 17. John 2, 13 through 17. Let me read it to you. Listen. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making, now think about this, and making a whip of cords. (laughs) He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen and poured the coins of the money changers and over poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away and do not make my father's house a house of trade. And his disciples remembered what it was that was that it was written zeal for your house will consume me zeal for your house will consume me that's quoted from psalm 69 and verse 9 they remembered psalm 69 and verse 9 when they saw jesus doing that they knew it was a prophetic prophecy about the messiah zeal for your house has consumed me and they remembered it They remembered it. And so here, I want you to see this. Jesus, he didn't just say, everybody get out. I just want everybody right now. You're just really making me angry, okay? So guys, get out. No, Jesus braided himself a whip of cords, the Bible says. Now, I've heard 
scholars say, well, Jesus uh, didn't, he didn't actually use the, the whip to beat the men. Um, he only used it to beat the animals out of the temple. But I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but listen to the reading of the ESV and making a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen with, he didn't say drove the sheep and oxen out and told the men to go. He said he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. So from a, just a straight reading of the ESV, it sounds as though Jesus braided a whip for these crooked men and beat them as well as the animals out of the temple and commanded them to not make his father's house a den of thieves. So Jesus, who, by the way, never sinned, I'm not telling you to, um, you know, I'm not telling you to braid a, a whip and then in the church lobby, anybody you see handing out a business card to whip them out the door. I'm saying Jesus never sinned, never once in his life, never once in his life. However, he did get angry and took actions in his anger, righteous indignation. If you study what was going on, one of the things that you may see is that uh, there were money changers that were, uh, and, and those that were selling sacrifices, selling them for more than they should have sold them for and cheating the poor out of being able to offer the sacrifices they were supposed to offer to God by charging more for the sacrifices than was prescribed by the law. And so really making money, think about this profiting off of people's gifts to their God, profiting off of, they're going to take a cut for them. Oh yeah, you can buy a sacrifice uh, to offer to God, but we're going to take a cut of what, and God had already outlined. He had already outlined how much it was to cost for people to buy those sacrifices. And when Jesus saw people profiting off of worship unto his God, it ticked him off and he drove them out of the temple with a whip and said, this house will be called a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. Flip. I mean, think about this. When, when you think about it, when he flipped their tables, I mean, think about how frustrating this was. When Jesus flipped their tables and the Bible says all the coins fell out. How do you at that point know whose coins are whose? Now he's all the money's just all over the ground. You telling me people aren't kneeling down, starting to take the money that's rolling around. And now he's, he's screwed up their whole, their whole business. Got coins running everywhere. You got poor people kneeling down, picking the coins up. You got all the money running together. Whose money is whose? Jesus didn't care. He said, you've made my father's house a den of thieves. And it's supposed to be a house of prayer and drove them out. It's hard to pick up your coins off the ground if somebody's beating you with a whip. <laughs> and Jesus, Jesus was the man. He was the man. And he wasn't, listen, and the Bible says very clearly, he was angry. Didn't turn the other cheek there because they weren't persecuting him. Notice that. He did turn the other cheek at other points in life, but not here. Here, he was acting on behalf of his father. Mark chapter three, I want you to look at this one. One of the things that ticked Jesus off more than anything else was when religious people with a religious spirit tried to keep people back from receiving the blessings of heaven. That irritated Jesus to no end, to no end. And it's not wrong 
to speak out about things. It's not wrong to have a voice. It's not wrong to oppose those who have wrong thought process about things that are going on. It's not wrong. Well, we need to just stay silent. And you know, these things happen, but who am I to say anything? You're a believer full of the Holy Ghost to stand up and say something. That's who you are. And people need to get angry again. They need to get angry again. I wish more people would have gotten angry during this lockdown. I I wish more people would have gotten angry during uh, this, this whole quarantine. But people are asleep. Most people are asleep. And I, I wish more people would have gotten angry and pushed back, but they didn't. Mark chapter three, listen to verses four through six. The Bible says, um, actually, let's start with verse one, Mark three, one. And again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. Oh, is he going to break the law? Is he going to break the law? Is that right? Watching him with their little punk faces and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. They would rather accuse him than see a man get healed. That's what a religious spirit does. Hey Ted Nashley, that's what a religious spirit does. They would rather see somebody stay suffering than they would see them get healed for the sake of obeying the law. I mean that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And look at the Bible says, and so he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And then he said to them, look at this. And then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. Verse five. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at what? Their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out immediately, held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Think about the wickedness of that, that all Jesus wanted to do was heal this man. And the hardness of the hearts of the Pharisees was to try to get him to just stop doing what he was supposed to do so that their law could be kept so that their law could be kept. I don't know if you can draw the parallel, but the same type of thing is happening right now and has been happening for the last couple of months in America and other nations. They want their little law to be kept and they want to keep us from doing what we're called to do. Want their little law to be kept, but they want us they want to keep us from obeying the commands of our Father in heaven so their little law can be kept. Crazy. Craziness. And I'm telling you, there are times that it's all right to be angry. There are times that it's okay to have a righteous indignation and it should provoke you to do something and not just sit back and sit, sit on a couch and say, well, I just don't, I just don't think that's right. I just don't think that's right. I just don't think that's right. And so let me, let me show you this. Because I want to show you the other side. James 1, 19 and 20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man. Now, notice what it's talking about in context. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man. So the Bible speaks against quarreling. It speaks against 
uh, those types of things, tells us in the New Testament, walk in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. See, so there are personality traits of Christ that are trying to curb the anger of man, which is completely a different thing than the anger of God. Completely a different thing. So you understand that the gifts of the Spirit, well, I mean, like, what are you going to tell me? Are you going to argue with me that Jesus didn't always walk in the fruit of the Spirit? You tell me Jesus didn't, didn't always abide by the fruit of the Spirit. Because if he didn't, then he was disappointing his Father in heaven. Do you think Jesus ever walked outside of love? Do you think he ever walked outside of joy or peace or patience? You say, well, Jesus, really, if Jesus would have read more of the word, he would have had patience in that situation. Oh, really? You think Jesus went into the temple to flip the tables because Jesus had a lack of patience. You know, this is, this is what people think. I mean, I, I honestly think this is what people believe. Jesus went into the temple and flipped their tables and beat them out because he had a lack of patience. You think Jesus didn't have the fruit of the spirit operating in his life. Do you think Jesus went over and flipped the tables and beat them out because he wasn't walking in love? You think there were times in Jesus' life where he wasn't walking in love? Please. And people are foolish if they think that Jesus somehow violated the fruit of the spirit while still doing the things that he did. And that is not what Jesus did. Jesus was not operating in the anger of man. He was operating in the anger of God. There's a massive difference between righteous indignation and the fact that your flesh got offended. It's different than that. You know, when Jesus, think of the difference when they're crucifying him and nailing him into the cross, they've whipped his back, they've put a crown of thorns on his head. And what does he say from the cross? He doesn't start calling down fire and brimstone on their head. He doesn't ask God to smite all of those that crucified him. What does he say on the cross? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. He asked God to forgive those people. It was different, completely different. Be angry and do not sin, Ephesians 4.26. Listen to this. Whoever, now uh, once again, we're dealing with the anger of man. Whoever is slow to, this is Proverbs 16.32. Proverbs 16.32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit better than he who takes a city. So the Bible actually teaches that you, you do better if you have the self-control, fruit of the spirit, to curb your anger of your flesh, which is not what we're dealing with today. The necessary power of anger is the power of anger that we have because in the spirit, imagine the difference. See, I prayed, I even pray differently when I get angry about what the enemy's trying to do in this generation, in this culture. If you don't, if you can't get ticked off about what's going on in this generation and in this culture, you need to wake up. When you look around and see the murders that are taking place in America on a daily basis, when you see the abortions that are happening on a daily basis, when you see the suicides because of chronic depression and anxiety and fear and panic attacks, when you see all the the lives that are being taken, when you see the large number of people who've locked themselves into their homes because of chronic depression and they're on pills and there's people that are on the streets, drug addicted, having to prostitute their bodies to get money 
money for more drugs. I mean, I think people in church lose, they lose touch with what's going on in the world. It would do you well. I mean, not if you're like a single frail lady, but it would do people well to just go into the cities of America and walk down the streets and see the lives that some people are having to live. And I understand, listen to me, I understand that many people have made choices that have ended in bad lives. I get that. But if God never helped anybody that got themselves into their own problem, no one would ever get help. And we've lost touch in our soft little churches, in our soft little homes, in our soft little jobs. We've lost touch with what's happening in the world. We've, we, we're in our little Holy Ghost bubble, and we've forgotten what life is like for people that don't have Jesus and what the devil is doing to destroy a generation. And we think because all of our bills are paid and we think because we have a nice job and we have a family that's been, been free from all these things and because we go to a nice little church and because, you know, we have all the things we have that we forget. Put your finger back on the pulse of society. Put your finger back on the pulse of what's happening in this world and recognize that there is a hurting and a dying world and the devil is ravaging people's lives and the church, it's time for the church to get angry again and to stand up. You won't do things unless you're angry. And see, if you have a true love for people, then you'll get angry about what's happening to them. See, that's what love does. Love puts you in a place where you take action. Love gives you a stance that brings anger, the right kind of anger, into your life. You should have the right kind of anger in your life. When you see people being destroyed, you know, you see that man yesterday who, who, who was, who's dead now, who is dead. The man's dead. And we've got a, a culture where things are still happening to people, where people are still being destroyed. We have a culture where things are happening and where a sin nature rules and reigns. People's lives are being destroyed. Babies aborted every single day. And it should make Christians angry enough to get on their knees and fast and pray and preach and go out into the highways and byways and win the lost and bring them into the house of God and establish the kingdom of God on the earth before Jesus comes back. People are asleep and it's time to wake up. I'm calling people to wake up today. It's time to be angry about the right things. Be angry and do not sin. You hear that? Be angry. Don't let your flesh be angry. Let your spirit get angry. Hallelujah. I want you to, everybody watching me, I want you to put it in the comments. My flesh isn't angry. My spirit's angry. Put it in the comments right now. My flesh isn't angry. My spirit's angry. That's who's angry. Not my flesh, my spirit. God gets angry. You know that? Not just Jesus, God gets angry. It was God's anger that struck down a man named Uzzah in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 6, who when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem and the oxen stumbled and the Ark looked like it was going to fall off, that man, after God had clearly said, never touch the Ark, don't touch my Ark. It's holy. It's not for your hands. It's not for your flesh. If you're going to carry it, put poles through the loops and carry it on your shoulders on the poles. And Uzzah completely 
rejected the Lord's instructions and reached his hands out and touched the ark that God said don't touch. And the anger of God was kindled against the man and killed him on the spot. Killed him on the spot. And it was holy. Now we think of this. That's it. Put it in the comments. My flesh isn't angry. My spirit's angry. When God struck that man dead, it was holy and it was righteous and it was right. It was holy. It was righteous. It was right. <clears throat> How do I know? Because God was judging his sin. God was judging his rebellion. God was judging his clear lack of care for God's own word. <clears throat> and after God, <clears throat> excuse me, after God had given clear instructions, the ark, my ark, is never to be touched by human hands. Basically, Uzzah said, I really don't care. I really don't care what God said. I really don't care what his instructions were. If I want to touch it, I'll touch it. If I want to touch it, I'll touch it. Doesn't matter. God said, don't. And <clears throat> in that moment, I love how the Bible says it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled like a fire <clears throat> against Uzzah. And God struck him down there because of his error. Because of his error. God got angry and God executed judgment. My flesh isn't angry. My spirit is angry. And listen to me. If the spirit of Christ lives on the inside of you, then the things that make him angry should make you angry. The things that make God angry should make you angry. Think about that. You think about that. <laughs> I want you to write that. The things that make God angry should make me angry. God's not happy with murder. And that includes abortion. Because all abortion is murder. All of it. It's all murder. And I know that's not a popular opinion in our generation, but all abortion is murder. If it's not, <clears throat> let me ask you a question. Because we have such a stupid society. People in, people in authority, are some of them are so stupid. I mean, I mean, as stupid as you can be and illogical. Let me ask you a question. If all abortion is not murder, then how is it <clears throat> that you can go into an abortion clinic and kill a baby that's in the womb? Doesn't matter how old. You know, you can kill the baby and it's fine. But listen to this. If a drunk driver hits that same mother on the way to the abortion clinic and she dies, how is it that he gets charged with a double homicide? <clears throat> How does he get charged with two killings if, if, if an, a, a fetus is not a life? Then why is it legal to charge the man with two deaths? Do you hear that? How is it possible? How is that possible? Why wouldn't the, why wouldn't the, uh, why wouldn't the lawyer go into court and argue, Oh, I'm sorry, Your Honor, a fetus is not a life. He gets charged with double homicide or double manslaughter, but the, the same mother, if he hadn't hit her, could go to the abortion clinic and kill that baby anyway. It's stupid. People are stupid in government. 
We pray for them, but it's stupid. They're illogical. These laws that are passed, illogical. They don't even make sense. They don't even make sense. Why why is it illegal? Because um, he was the one that killed the baby instead of you before you got to the abortion clinic. And it makes God angry. And you've got to get angry about the things that make God angry and then go to prayer and fasting and then take action about it. If you're angry about the way people are dying and going to hell, then it will make you take action to ensure they don't. But when people don't care, they just do. They literally just do whatever feels right. Well, you know, the world's going downhill. You know, I think we've all known that for a long time. And so, no, step up. You're the salt. You're the light. You're the preservative on the earth to preserve those from destruction that don't have to be destroyed. They could be in heaven with you and with me if we would get angry enough at what's going on in the world and get angry about what the devil's trying to do and what he's trying to accomplish in this generation and stand up and say, I refuse to let my generation go to hell. I refuse to let my friends go to hell. I refuse to let... um, depression and anxiety, take those out that I love. And I refuse to just coast through life, not looking at what's going on with blinders on. Say, well, I can't see it. I can't see it. I can't see it. As long as my life is good, as long as my life is good, we are the ones filled with the power of God that are empowered to make a change, to empowered to make a change. You hear what I'm saying? In every area of life. If we truly love, if we truly care, then we'll act and we'll pray and we'll fast and we'll do what God called us to do. And Jesus said in John chapter nine and verse four, we've got to work the works of him who sent me while it is day for the night is coming where no man can work, where no man can work. It's important. It's important. And let me, let me say this to you. Because it's, it's, it's very, very important that you get this. The things that happen in the world today, they can be prevented if the church would stand up. <clears throat> Deaths could be prevented. Suicides could be prevented. Abortions could be prevented. All these things could be prevented if the church would stand up and do their job. If we would take it upon ourselves to say, Lord, use me in whatever capacity you can use me. Anoint me to be a worker in your kingdom that's effective. Use me, Lord, and I'll be used by you. We used to sing that very simple song when I was growing up. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Touch my hands and my feet. Touch my heart and speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. It's a simple chorus, but it's easy to understand that my desire is that God use me for his kingdom, that I get ticked off enough at what the devil is doing to go out and make a change by the power of God until we're pushing back the forces of darkness and watching God's power move all over the earth. As Dr. Reinhard Bonnke said as his mantra before he went to heaven, he was, um, and this, this is, he'd have it printed on posters and everything else, plundering hell to populate heaven. Put that in the comments section, plundering hell to populate heaven plundering hell to populate heaven. That's what we're doing. We're going out and pulling them in. We're pulling them in, plundering hell 
to populate heaven. That's what we're called to do. That's exactly what we're called to do. And I wanted to speak on this today. And not because that happened in Minnesota, but it just backs up what I'm talking about. That there are things that are worth getting angry about. There are things that are worth being ticked off about. Jesus thought so. David thought so. God thought so. And so it's important to understand it. We're plundering hell to populate heaven. Plundering hell to populate heaven. That's our goal. That's exactly what our goal is. That's right. It's exactly it. Put it in the comments. Plundering hell to populate heaven. And my prayer for you today is that a fire would burn in your spirit, that we would never allow ourselves to become calloused to the things that are going on in the world. And I'm glad you're on with me today because I'm talking to the elite. I'm talking, if this was if this was a military operation, I'm talking to the special forces team today. That's who I'm dealing with. Anybody that's been uh, mature enough to stay on through this broadcast all the way to the end, and not get all bent out of shape. Well, I can't believe he's talking like that. You are the special forces that I'm talking to today. And that's exactly what we're going to do. That's our goal. That is our mission. We're going to plunder hell. We are anointed like Jesus to destroy the works of the devil. Think about that. We are anointed. I want you to write it by faith. Put it in the comments right now. That is so powerful to understand about yourself. I'm anointed to destroy the works of the devil. Put it in the, that's 1 John 3, 8. That's you just as much as it is Jesus. The Bible says that the son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That was his goal and it's our goal because the Bible says as he is, so are we in this world. The works that he did, we will do also, and greater works than these. You are anointed to destroy the works of the devil. No question. No question. You're anointed to destroy the works of the devil. Thank you. Put it in the comments section. And put it, if you got to write it on a big piece of paper with a black marker and stick it on your mirror and look at it every day before you go out and say, I'm anointed. Not my pastor, not my, uh, not, not Brother Ted, not... No, I'm anointed to destroy the works of the devil. Me. Don't push it off on somebody else. Don't wait for your pastor to do it. Don't wait for the next revival to do it. Don't next wait, wait for the next great awakening to do it. Understand you are anointed to destroy the works of the devil. You are. That's it. Pop that in the comment section and do not forget it. I am anointed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I am anointed to destroy the works of the devil and I can't fail and you can't fail. We've got too much anointing to fail, too much power to fail, too much glory to fail. We cannot fail in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Cannot fail. That's why I wanted you to write it. I cannot fail. Hallelujah. Cannot fail. I'm going to pray for you here in a moment, but I wanted you to hear what I'm saying. You're the salt, you're the light, you're the power. You're the salt, you're the light, you're the power. No question. And it's time for us to get angry about the tricks, the lies, the wickedness of the devil and step out by faith and let God use us to change this generation 
before it's too late. Bow your head with me and let me pray for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray now for your people, the special forces that are watching the broadcast today, the top of the top, the elite. I pray today, if there's some kind of blinders or scales on our eyes, by your spirit, tear them off and let our hands once again do the works of God. Let our finger be on the pulse of what's going on in this world, the hurting, the dying, the broken, the needy. Let us be the ones that bring a change. I pray today in Jesus' name, set a fire that burns in our hearts. Let us become angry about what makes you angry. Let us get upset about the things that make you upset. We refuse to coast through life, taking life as it comes, as others are being dragged into hell. We refuse, and today, by the power of the Holy Ghost, we stand up and declare that as Jesus was anointed to destroy the works of the devil, we are anointed to destroy the same works. We can't be defeated. We will not quit. We will not be swept off to the side. We won't be silenced, but there's a fire that's burning in our hearts. Out of our bellies is flowing rivers of living water, and we will see the power of God manifest in our lives and in our ministries and in our businesses and in our families in the mighty name of Jesus, and we will be victorious like never before. We will stand in victory and see the victory and we will have victory and we'll see the effects and fruit of our righteous action and our righteous indignation. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for it. We give you praise in Jesus' wonderful name. And if you believe that prayer and receive it, I want to see some fire in the comments section to let me know. My heart's burning. My belly's burning with a new anointing, a new fire. I'm ready for action. I'm ready for work in Jesus' name. I'm ready for action. I'm ready for work. And you are. You are anointed. Thank you. Put it in. You are anointed. Matt's funny. Matt Perkins. As a redhead, I was blessed to hear a a message on how it's okay to be angry. Black Phoenix is in the house. Put it in the comment section. I am. I see that fire. I see that fire. That's it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're anointed. You're elite. God's lifted you up. You're seated in heavenly places. You cannot be defeated. Do not quit. Do not quit in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) I feel the anointing, man. God's doing it. God's using us. And this is going to be the greatest year we've ever seen. I promise you that one. Be the greatest year. Let me encourage you once again. The last months of this year, the last seven months, are going to explode in production, in blessing, in miracles for us. It's a year of violent increase, expedited favor, and these next seven months are going to explode in God's goodness. I mean, that's why I'm encouraged. If you feel what I'm talking about, See, this is what partnership is. That's why you're partnering with this ministry. I don't want to talk to everybody. I want to talk to the elite of God, those that refuse to be offended at what people are saying and doing and are ready to be angry about what's going on in the world and ready to take action. That's who I'm looking for. I want God to connect me with the elite, those that are ready to take action. That's who I'm looking for. And so when you're partnering with this ministry, You're partnering as the elite, the victory tribe. 
the mighty men and women of God that God's attaching to Miracle Word for such a time as this. That's who you are. Many of you have partnered with us. There's people you're watching. You feel the same that I feel. You feel the same way. You've got it in your spirit. You know that what's going on is not right, and it's time for us to stand up. When you partner with this ministry, that's what you're saying. You're standing with us and believing God for a generation to be shaken before it's too late, shaken by the power of the Holy Ghost. And when you sow seed into this ministry, when you stand in monthly partnership with this ministry, that's the action you're taking to say, you know what? I am making a step that will bring people to Jesus, that'll bring the healing power of God into their lives, that will snatch them out of the darkness and bring them into the marvelous light of Christ. That's what you're doing. And you're who I've prayed for. You are who I've asked God to join me with. And he's done it and he's continuing to do it. And so let me encourage you, if you have not done so, to be a partner with Carolyn and with me and to stand with us monthly because I'm tired of seeing America going the way it's going. I'm tired of seeing the world going the way it's going. And we're going to take action and see God move in a mighty way before it's too late. And so you can always go to miracleword.com and set up partnership with us there. You can sow one-time seeds on PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, hashtag donate. Thank you, Faith. Faith Savage said, I'm new to your ministry. I'm so happy you're connected, Faith. So happy you're connected. Thank you for being on the broadcast. And I believe that, uh, Daphne, year of the harvest, we're going to hold the harvest in our hand in Jesus' name. And here's what you do. If you want to stand with us, if you want to see things change in this generation, go to miracleword.com and there you can click on the partner tab or you can click on the give tab and stand with us on a monthly basis and watch as God uses you. You say, well, what can I do? It seems like what I'm doing is insignificant. Never let the devil make you feel like what you're doing for the kingdom is insignificant. If it takes faith, if it takes faith for you to do it, it'll please God and it'll bring a change in the kingdom. Remember that. Remember that. That's awesome, Cora. I love that testimony. Hear what I'm saying. If it takes faith for you to do it, it pleases God and it makes a change in the kingdom. No question. There's some people it takes all their faith to stand with us at $85 a month. Others, because they have a, uh, God's blessed them in a degree or raised their level. There's people that have raised their level of partnership. We've had people, bunch of people call in and say, I want to increase my monthly partnership from 85 to 100 to 200 to 250 to 500 to 750. And people that are standing with us. <clears throat> some are sowing 1,000. Some we've had sow 5,000, 10,000 and more. But you've got to do what takes faith for you to do, to watch a generation be changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. It makes me laugh that YouTube tries to, <laughs> I saw Judy Layton on, on YouTube <laughs> says, amen, I'm ready to slay the devil. I had to approve that message because like YouTube held it. It's like, why? Because the word slay is in it. I'm ready to slay the devil. We're, we're making sure that this is not hate speech. I guarantee the devil would think it's hate speech. That's funny. We love you, Judy. And I'm telling you, I'm thanking God for every one of you. Every one of you. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you this month of May, this awesome book by my friend, Pastor Alan Meshegan, Heir of Power. Faith, if you're on miracleword.com, you can click partner at the top 
or if you're on the if you're on the uh, mobile site, there's a little area up there that's the menu that you can see. It looks like three lines, and you can see the uh, menu drop down. And when you when it drops down, you'll see the word partner under store and above first time here. You click that, and uh, you can you can scroll through, read it, and then click the click the button to sow a seed. This is our gift to every person this month that's partnering with us to say a big we love you and appreciate you very much for your for your sewing and for standing with us. It means a lot. And then of course to everybody that's sewing largely. And I just got the uh, I just got the email today. <clears throat> I just got the email today that the um, the uh, the hardcover books with the dust jacket, the further faster books are on the way to me. I'm going to sign them, send them to you. Uh, but we're also going to send you a genuine leather uh, life application study Bible <clears throat> as our gift to say thank you um, for partnering with us at $1,000 or more. And then when, when I get those hardcover books, I'm signing one and sending it to your family as my way of saying thank you. Those are limited edition, by the way. We're not going to uh, sell them. They won't be available in the store. They won't be available uh, to buy at meetings. They're only for those that are standing with us in partnership at $1,000 or more. And we say a big thank you. Thank you, Faith, for standing with us. It means a lot to me. I love you guys so much. I'm going to be back again tonight, 9 p.m. I don't know if you guys were on with me last night. We did something we've never done before. And we did a live on Instagram while we were live on all these platforms. And then we took your questions uh, live on Instagram and then played the audio everywhere else. And uh, we'd never done that before. It worked out pretty good. There was only one call that was maybe a prank. But even though maybe it was, I enjoyed it because the call was about my favorite soccer team, Arsenal. And they were testing me for street cred to to see if uh if I really knew what I was talking about when I was talking about Arsenal. They didn't think I knew who the manager of Arsenal was, but I do. And uh, and so it went okay. Thankfully, there were no F bombs. Great questions last night and no F bombs. So it's a win-win. Uh, when nobody's screening the calls for you, when nobody's screening the calls, uh, it could get hairy quick. So I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> thank you very much. Kyle said, thank you for being an Arsenal fan. There's, Was it a real Irish accent? I think it had to have been because I didn't feel like it was fake. It, it sounded pretty real to me. <clears throat> Who knows? I'll be back. <laughs> I saw that, Jacob. I'll be back tonight at 9, and uh, it's going to be a good one again. Let's hang out together. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.